Our scripture this morning is from the first chapter of the Gospel according to Luke. Hear now the word of the Lord. In the sixth month, sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a town in Galilee called Nazareth, to a virgin engaged to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary, and he came to her and said, Greetings, favored one. The Lord is with you. But she was much perplexed by his words and pondered what sort of greeting this might be. The angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God, and now you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you will name him Jesus. And he will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High, and the Lord God will give to him the throne of the ancestor David. He will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. And Mary said to the angel, How can this be, since I am a virgin? The angel said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be holy. He will be called Son of God. And now your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son. And this is the sixth month for her who was said to be barren. For nothing will be impossible for God. Then Mary said, Here am I, the servant of the Lord. Let it be with me according to your word. Then the angel departed from her. This is the word of the Lord. Please be seated. Well, one of the best ideas of the last couple of years, as far as I'm concerned, is the creation of the professional grocery shopper. This last Wednesday morning, I heard an interview with an Instacart employee who warned, look out, it's amateur day at the grocery store. The day when the person who is not cooking in the kitchen is at HEB looking for obscure items in a store that they don't know. So it's the spouse of the cook or the oldest child of the cook who's home from college or the uncle from Ohio. Last year, the Instacart employee said he witnessed an argument between two grown men fighting over the last package of craisins on a shelf. It's dangerous the day before Thanksgiving at the grocery store, so leave the shopping to the professionals. I know that one doesn't become an expert overnight. I know it's a long haul and that sometimes there is failure. One time I realized that I forgot my wallet after my groceries were rung up. Another time, I abandoned a full cart of groceries in the aisle because my toddler was able to throw a bigger fit than I could. There were regular, repeated trips that gave way to familiarity, and at times I had to ask for help to find a hidden gem. This morning, the first Sunday of Advent, we consider Mary, the mother of us, in my mind, Mary is rightly sainted. We crown her as an expert in the faith. She does stand steadfastly in love at the crucifixion of her son. And afterward, she stands in the midst of community, waiting for the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, receptive to what God will do next. Mary does personify hope 
for us. But this morning we have the Mary of Luke chapter 1. And I guess what, you, what I want you to know about the Mary in Luke chapter 1 is that she is an amateur among amateurs. She's young. Mary might be 14 or 15 years old. She's completely inexperienced in life and love. She's Jewish, living under the thumb of the Roman Empire. She is in a small town of small regard in South Galilee. Now, it's important to remember that power for most women in the first century is measured by the men to whom they were connected. Income and retirement is equivalent to the man that they are married to or the men that they mother. And I tell you this this morning not to make you feel guilty or to make you feel bad, but to give you some perspective on what is being communicated about Mary in this opening scene of Luke's gospel. We are told that Mary is betrothed, and that's not a word that we use much anymore. To be betrothed is to be more than engaged. It means that the marriage is set, it's been arranged by Mary's father, and it's legally sealed. Mary is probably living at home with her parents, but if Joseph were to die during this time of betrothal, Mary becomes a widow. Even though this is the time before the wedding, she'd be a widow. The relationship and shared responsibility between the two families is so set, it is cemented. And so the news that Gabriel brings to Mary of pregnancy is not just the potential to bring shame on the family, but the news that Gabriel brings, the greater problem is that she could be disconnected from the only system of security that she currently enjoys. She's risking it all. When Mary agrees or signs on to Gabriel's plan, she says, here am I, the servant of the Lord, let it be with me according to your word. I think we often hear these words as pious and demure, softly spoken in prayer. But this morning I want to push you just a little bit. I don't think that Mary whispered these words. And if she did whisper them, I want you to know that I think she did it with a sparkle in her eye. Mary must know, she must know that she's signing on to something big. And it's important for us to see her strength and her courage. The What is the Bible study reimagines Mary's words, Here am I, the servant of the Lord. Let it be with me according to your word as simply, Let's do this. Let's do this. Do you remember... Do you remember the story of United Airlines Flight 93 on September the 11th, 2001? Do you remember what they reportedly said before taking the plane back from the hijackers? Let's roll, exactly. And among the group who were said to have stormed the cockpit was a six-foot-one judo champion, a rugby player, a college quarterback, a weightlifter, and a former paratrooper. 
Flight 93 happened to hold a physically intimidating group of passengers. Let me take you back to Luke chapter 1. This isn't a pack of brutes. This is only one who says, let's do this. She's the youngest of women in the smallest of towns among an overlooked people. Mary risks everything for the sake of God's kingdom and for her people who not only are currently being trampled on by the Roman Empire, but they have a history of being trampled on by almost every empire. So don't miss the sparkle in Mary's eye. Don't miss the skip of her heartbeat. Don't miss the rush of her adrenaline. This is what I've been waiting for, she says. I'm in. I believe that Mary's courage is, in fact, her piety. And I suspect that her courage is rooted in the blessedness or favor that she knows to be a part of her identity. In this passage that we heard twice, Gabriel addresses Mary as one who has found favor with God. She doesn't question her favor. She doesn't say, Gabriel, favor, what are you talking about? Or who are you talking to? Who's favored? She does have questions. She has questions about what is happening. She has questions about how it will happen, but she doesn't for a second wonder about God's goodwill for her. Even though her esteem is not reflected in her circumstances, no one would look at this 14-year-old girl and say, oh, she's successful. But Mary knows of God's love. And she's willing to bet everything. She's willing to bet everything that she has on that love. I want you to hear this morning that courage is certainly a quality of hope. Hope requires us to step out in the direction that we know to be right. It's not really hope. If someone or something can do the work for us, we have to sign on. We have to step out. But there is another quality to Christian hope. There is a quality that holds courage in balance. And that quality is patience. Patience and courage are held together in tension in Christian hope. Author and pastor Brian Zahn says that Advent is in the Christian calendar because it teaches us how to hope. And we need to know how to hope. The Christian calendar teaches us how to hope by reminding us how to practice patience. Patience, he says, is at the heart of wisdom. And I know that to be true because I am most foolish when I am most impatient. And some of the wisest people that I have known have also been the most patient people. Do you remember the Apostle Paul's words at the end of 1 Corinthians 13? He wrote, And now faith, hope, and love remain these three, but the greatest of these is love. You know, I've sometimes wondered, why is love the greatest? What makes love so wonderful? What makes it the highest priority? I like the idea that love is the greatest because we will use it the longest. We will use it into eternity, but faith and hope we only need now. We need now when things aren't so clear, when the kingdom of God is not yet fully realized. And so we wait, we wait and we hope, and we are patient. 
A friend of mine sent me an article from Christian Century written by a woman who works at a church, but she is also the mother of a child with chronic pain. And she says in this article that she's learned a lot about hope by walking alongside of him since his accident. She says, she wrote this, these are her words, hope isn't about magical results, it's about the long haul and the long darkness. Hope never gets so cynical that it can't be surprised. Hope finds and names God in the world's most desolate places. Hope sits in the darkness and it outweighs. Hope outweighs torture, humiliation, crucifixion, and death. Hope is precisely the mystery that strains toward what I don't yet have. It's a bridge, she said, wider and sturdier than I imagined it would be, that connects me still to the God who loves my son very much. I think I've learned this week that hope is, in fact, the stepping out and the waiting. It's the stepping out and the waiting. Hope requires that we courageously step out and walk forward in an understanding and an expectation of God's love and wait patiently to see what God will do next. And after considering Mary this week, after thinking about Mary, I believe that I've learned that her deepest, greatest truth is that she is a model of faith for all of us. Mary is us. Mary shows us how the mystery of salvation is received. She is favored by God before she does anything, anything right or anything wrong. She steps into the mystery she walks courageously, even in times of great disappointment and sorrow and pain, and Mary is open. She's open to community, and she's open to the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. I believe that Mary teaches us how to hope. And so may Mary's hope rest securely in each of our lives. Would you pray with me? Almighty God, we wait and we hope and we ask for assurance because your assurance fuels courage. May our weakness and insecurities always reveal your strength. Would you renew each of us as you restore all things. Amen. Jesus, quickly come, and night shall be.